today. Amen. In Colossians today, we read, Paul writes to us today, and this is as he wrote to the Colossians, I can lay this out as he's writing to us. And it's my heart's cry that we listen and take heed of these words. Verse 9, Paul's prayer for the Colossians starts in verse 9. For this cause we also since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding that you may walk worthy of the Lord into all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. And Apostle Paul is saying, my prayer for you is you take now the things that the Holy Spirit has blessed you with since you came to Jesus and you let those things be magnified in your body. If you have the Spirit, if he's given you the gift of hospitality. Open your house to everyone around you. Say, so my house is always open as a beacon. It's a beacon to everyone around in my community. My house is always open for you to come for counseling, for nourishment, just for hospitality. He said, if you have the gift of exhortment, write those letters and cards to people. Tell them you love them. Jesus loves them. We haven't forgotten about you. Write those letters and cards. Call them on the phone. He's telling these folks to Back in their days when they had their church services, they were meeting people's houses already. So what they would do is take a portion of that from one house to the other. And they would actually eat with gladness. It's simplicity of heart, Apostle Paul says. Eat their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. And that's where actually our picnics come from when we have dinner on the grounds. As you're socializing, you're fellowshipping with your brothers and sisters, you're eating with them, and you're telling things of exhortment to exhort them. It says even singing songs in your heart to one another. And it's beautiful to see the sweet fellowship. And he's saying, let's don't forget these things. And he said, be strengthened, in verse 11, with all might according to his glorious power, unto all patience and longsuffering with joyfulness, giving thanks unto the Father, which had made us to meet, be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. And he's saying, there's so much reward for us already in heaven. And we're partakers of that because we partake and share with Jesus and his suffering, we will surely partake of that in heaven, which he's preparing for us now. And he's saying this should motivate us to be that helpmate to someone else, to come along beside someone and lift them up when they're down, to pick them up maybe off the ground if they've fallen and dust them off and say, I'm here with you. I'll be a crutch. I'll be a leaning post for you, and I'll help you get through this. And he's saying to give thanks to God the Father and all these things because we're definitely... We are doubly blessed to be in the family of God and to be in a nation as one nation under God. And Jesus, who has delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us to the kingdom of his dear son, verse 13 proclaims, we've been delivered, signed, sealed, and delivered unto the kingdom. And the Holy Spirit has come to us and persuaded us to trust Jesus in the first place. In, ver in verse 13, I love the word translated. If y'all remember, it says that Elijah never died. He was translated. He went up in the chariot of fire into heavens. He said, ain't it walked with God? And therefore he was no more, for he was translated with God. And he's saying, we've already been translated in the spirit. And what Brother Dennis sang about earlier, about Jesus riding on the clouds. And one day we'll be translated in a twinkling of an eye. A twinkling of an eye, is, as they say, is a lightning bolt. Is one thousandth of a second. That's how fast we'll be changed. That's how fast we'll be in glory. Said so the dead in Christ shall rise first, and those left behind, those saints who are left here, will be right behind them, folks. When Jesus comes, riding on the clouds, he'll call us home. 
will be translated, will be taken up and changed in one thousandth of a second. So it'll be just like a lightning flash and we're gone, we're out of here. And he said to live your days as though that day is today. Live your days as though that day is today and tell others about the saving power of Jesus. Apostle Paul explains to the Colossians here, in whom we have redemption through Jesus' blood, even the forgiveness of sins. And he's saying here, the reason why he put redemption first because we're redeemed from the curse of the law. We're redeemed from the penalty of our sins. We've been redeemed from the curse of death. In other words, he has pardoned us from all these things, hell, the grave, and death. And that's why the saying is that one day we'll all be able to say, oh, death, where is thy sting? When I sit there and I buried my father and my mother, when I buried that loved one and put him in the grave, and your word says to me that I should not tarry into sentimental suffering or sorrow because one day we'll be able to say, because of Jesus conquered the grave, we can say, oh, death, where's that sting? Because we will be resurrected just like he was and be with him in glory forever. And that's a, that, that's a chastening of the grave. Oh, grave, you know, where's our victory? Death, where's our sting? We'll all be resurrected with him. Here, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. Now, that's the pinnacle point. I want you to just write this in your heart this morning because this is the pinnacle part of the whole message. And this is what I tell folks. Next to John 3, 16, which we said every day this last week. Matter of fact, we need to say it together. Let's say it together. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. John 3, 16, the most powerful verse of Scripture and God's Word because it's the whole gospel in a nutshell. And it tells the whole story of the whole gospel, and it's a tiny verse. And you can witness to any person anywhere you're at at any time as long as you know that one verse in your heart. You can witness to them. They can be saved by that one verse if you share that with them. This here is second in line to me because it tells you and tells us as a whole body, and tells the lost world when they read this and when we share this with them, who Jesus Christ, who he is, and why he is preeminent, why he's number one. This tells it all. For by him were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible, invisible, whether there be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him. He created all things by him and for him. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. All things hold together by the power of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ turns his back on this world, we're disintegrate. If he turns his back on this galaxy, it disintegrates. If he turns his back on anything, any element, the skies, the rain, the nourishment, the sea, even, even's under his authority, where it must go, where it must go back. He controls the tides. He tells the moon where to hold back the waters. He tells the climate where it's supposed to be. He's in charge of everything. Consists for him, not for us, for him, for Jesus Christ. He's the head of the body. The church who's beginning of the firstborn from the dead. He's the head of the church of Christ. We are little Christ. We are Christ Jesus followers, disciples in him. So we are little Christ, but he is the head that he may have preeminence, first place. For it pleased the Father that in all him, all fullness should dwell. And having made peace through the blood of the cross, by him reconciling 
all things unto himself by him. I'll say whether they be things on earth or things in heaven. And you can even add this in your scripture, or everything in between. He is over all things. And you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet how hath he reconciled? In other words, you say, you were once heathens, sinners, no, not saved by grace, but being worked on by the grace of God. Heathens in the nature, heathens in the carnal world, a secular world, were once heathens. But by him, he has reconciled us. He brought us to God by the power of his Holy Spirit and by the blood of the cross. Verse 22, In the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. See, we can't be holy, folks. There's no way any of us in this room can be holy. God is holy. We are filthy rags compared to God's holiness. We can only be holy through the power of the Holy Spirit because God's Spirit is holy. He makes us holy. He sanctifies us. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all unrighteousness. The power of the Holy Spirit helps us to walk holy because as soon as we leave that door on Sunday evening or Sunday morning, the world's hitting us right in the face. And it's telling us to be unholy fast as you can because we don't like anything holy. Matter of fact, people behind us are saying today, and I'm sure on TV, someone in the media, they're calling us holier than thou people. Holier than thou. Well, see, that's a, that's a, that's a form of expression they've gotten from us being hypocritical, you know. And I've had people even tell me, well, I don't go to church, you know, because, man, ain't nothing but a bunch of hypocrites in church. I said, man, we'd be glad to have you. Have one more. Just come on. Come on and join us. Just have one more hypocrite. Hypocrite saved by grace right here, folks. Hypocrite saved by grace. Sinner saved by grace right here, okay? Matter of fact, if not for the grace of God, there walks I, okay? There I am. And, and because the grace of God extends to them through Jesus Christ, he loved us, uh, and it says unreprovable in his sight, unblameable, not a blemish, folks, perfectly washed garments. And I can only imagine when we're in that theatrical stage in heaven, and God lines us up hand-to-hand, shoulder-to-shoulder, and we're in that huge choir in heaven that's innumerable as the stars. Millions and millions of those who've gone before us, who, who give their lives for the cause of Jesus Christ, even the ones from the former days, and we line up and we sing that song of praise to him, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, and sing that song of praise to him. Early in the morning our song shall rise to thee, because only thou art holy. But thou made us fearfully and wonderfully in your image, Lord God Almighty. Therefore, we can fearfully and wonderfully praise you because you have made us. You knew each one of us in our mother's womb, and you already had a plan for us there, each and every one. So we praise you for sending Jesus, our Lord and Savior, to us, to claim us, every creature, unreprovable in his sight. Verse 23 says, If we continue in the faith, ground and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel, which ye have heard, and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven, whereof I, Paul, am made a minister. And I can put my own name there, and every minister in the Lord can put their name there. You can actually put your name there, because everyone who's a Christian is a minister in some shape, form, or fashion. Every one of us is a minister of the Lord who now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ 
My flesh for his body's sake, which is the church. And Apostle Paul has suffered much afflictions for Christ. There's one time where he was in a, a, in a, he was in a city that didn't like him, and they stoned him to death. They shut him up preaching the gospel and stoned him to death and left, drug him out of the city to, to die. And they said when they drug him out, he was like dead. You know what it said? Did Paul go to a hospital and, 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 and stay in intensive care for five or six weeks? It said Paul, when they left, Apostle Paul, it said he got up. And it's like he sat there and for two or three days in the dirt. It said that Christ rose him up. Get up, Paul. That's not even a blemish. Get on up. And so he went to the next city and started preaching right away. Now he stoned him, left him for dead. He didn't have a bruise on him. Christ did said, Paul, you're to be my minister, my mouthpiece to those people who don't like you. Not the ones that just love you and give you great offerings to push you on men. You're going to preach to folks that don't like you. They're going to beat you with rods. They're going to jail you. They're going to spit on you. You know why? Because they did me the same way. And because you're a part of me and you have a part in my suffering, you got a big chunk in heaven, Paul. Because you persecuted me, persecuted my people, I'm going I'm to give you a thorn in the flesh to remind you. I'm going to leave this thorn in the flesh with you. It's a little piece a thorn in the flesh, and you'll know you owe it all to me. You owe it all to me for what I've done for you. But you're going to be my most powerful speaker. And when folks try to, try to rebuke you and try to jail you and try to blaspheme you like they did me, I'm going to be with you. And guess what? I'll give you the words to say. I'll give you the words to utter. And they will not even harm you. Paul said he's even been, even had beasts, folks, let out on him. Can you imagine letting a lion out on Apostle Paul in the Colosseum? And the beast not harm him? The beast not touch him? Just walk around like Daniel in the lion's den. I'm sure Apostle Paul was praying the whole time. God, rescue me. And the beast just came in and went right back out. He said, I've had beasts turned on me. Beat with rods. The Lord healed him each time to do his missionary work. To go to those places where he needed to go. And Apostle Paul even says in several parts of the gospel, I'm not even worthy of this calling. Never was worthy of this calling that God would use me. But wherefore I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. And Paul said, God is a timeline. All of us are on this timeline with God. And he said he has a dispensation period for each one. And we're living in a dispensation period of grace right now. Thank God we're not in the dispensation of the law. We're in the dispensation period of grace. And he says, until this time, there'll be a time now where there'll be a dispensation period of God's judgment. And he said, but we're living in times of grace, folks. And from Apostle Paul to us now, we're still in that dispensation period. And God has a timeline. There'll be a time where he'll, that will cease. And then, then there will be the rapture of the church. There'll be the second coming of Christ. Then we'll be, be seven years of tribulation. And the seven years of tribulation is God's wrath poured out. Poured out, folks. And Apostle Paul said, I'm handing this down to you to fulfill the word of God in your life, which I have preached. Even the mystery which has been hid from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to his saints. He's saying, you, to whom God would make known that his riches and glory of a mystery among the Gentiles, which is us, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. That we have this hope in these vessels and the joy that only he gives, that other people will see it spilling out from us, and that they will want that in their hearts. Whom we preach, warning every man, and teaching every man in all wisdom, 
that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. Whereunto I also labor, striving according to his working, which worketh in me mightily. And Paul saying, only through him do we have mighty works, and we work mightily only through Christ Jesus. Because Apostle Paul would remind us that when we are weak, he is strong, see? When we are weak, Christ is strong in us, working through us to other people. And when we don't know what we're doing, don't know who we're touching, we're touching other people, just like we had record of today, of someone we touched that said, I have counted joy to be a part of watching these kids go nuts next door, okay? Teaching these kids. Now, we had a kid that would drive you crazy. We have some of the best kids in the world. We have, we have some kids, and Brother Darrell is one, who I can stay in a room about five minutes with those kids, and I'll be one of the kids, too. When I get in my field, I am out of there, folks, okay? That's a special ministry now for folks to be able to sit with kids, as Jamie and as this Judy and as these teachers did, to sit with them and to have that patience, special patience, to watch them for that length of time. He's gifted each and every one of us with a gift. He said, I made you special to other, certain other people through that gift. And as a church body, each one of you, use those gifts. If it's, if it's cutting a cookie in half, making a little sandwich for the kids, serving refreshments, teaching the Bible story, leading the music, telling the story of Jesus, working with the crafts to show the kids through the crafts, whatever it is, he said, that gift, I will magnify in that gift, and I will help you minister to other people through that gift. And we seen that just last week. See? And the whole focus of it is to remember the mission that we have, the mission we have. I visited with the hospitality house yesterday. I took the things that Blandine had the kids bring for this, just white things we call them, paper towels, hand towels, toilet paper, printing paper, uh, utensils, everything that was white, basically, we brought, and I took a four or five big bags up there to them. And you ought to see the joy on that, on, uh, on, on Brother um, Roger's face up there. His, he was just overjoyed, him and his wife both, as we just stocked their pantry with things that they daily need, you know. Because on a weekly basis, they see anywhere from 100 to 150 people and feed and clothe and keep laundry and stuff for them. So they, they're overjoyed to see that and to see our kids give and to see... The kids give the offering we had here, which uh, we have set up. It's a blessing. That's mission. See, folks, that's, that's a lot of kids say, I can't do a whole lot in ministry of Jesus, but I can bring a roll of toilet paper up here, or I can put a couple pennies in the bucket for an offering. And when everybody gives together, God blesses that, and that multiplies. Amen. And we've seen this morning how God multiplied the offering we had already. And we'll have twice that much before they get ready to make that trip, even three times, because God will keep multiplying whatever we give for that mission trip because God's going to make sure his word never comes back void to him. See, he said, all I need is the feet and the hands and the mouthpiece to go out there and to minister to folks and that word will never go back, back void to him. And we're to be the vessels used by him and this is every week and every day in our lives to be a vessel of someone who is there. Now some folks think maybe the Apostle Paul was radical in his presentation of the gospel that he was a forceful guy, and he was very bold in his speech and very bold and very cunning in some of his ways. But see, we're to be like that, God's Word tells us. I'll never forget, uh, we had evangelists come to Men's Baptist Church about, what, six years ago, babe? 
six or seven years ago, and his name was Bull. And this guy was a football player, ex-pro football player. I can't remember what his last name was. But Bull, everybody call him Bull, preached the Word of God with so much enthusiasm. He would, he would, in his illustrations, he would run sometimes and jump in somebody's lap in the, in the audience. And he would say, oh, he'd tell me how excited people get over football games. We're winning. Yes, look, we scored a touchdown. And run over there and hug the guy and jump in his lap. Look, man, we just scored a touchdown. Well, you're my brother. We're, I love you, man. You know? And he'd jump and, and embarrass the heck out of somebody. He wouldn't tell him before where he was going to jump. And it's a big guy. Boy, he's bigger than Brother Daryl. And, he, and uh, he would jump in there and he'd say, look, we're winning. Oh, praise the Lord. And he kissed somebody on the face, you know. And he said, you know, if we get that excited over Jesus, this world would be already saved, the whole world. But we sit there and watch a football game or baseball and get so excited over that and then come to church and go, oh, man. Oh, my. Is he over through preaching? Yeah. You know, he said, we'd get excited about Jesus like that in our life, get excited about folks in our community and get excited about folks that are homebound and tell them about Jesus, we'd already have the whole country would be saved, see? We'd already be in heaven. He said, but we have this tendency not to. What boy would do when imitation time would come, he would lay his Bible down on the, on the altar. When the imitation would come, he would walk right down the aisles. He would, come, he would walk down there and say, you know the Lord Jesus as your personal Savior and Lord? He would look each person in the face. He would tell them. Well, some of the folks there say, oh, that's too aggressive. Tell him not to do that anymore. But so you can't tell my niece he was too aggressive. You know why? Because my niece said when he came to her and said, Dear lady, you know Jesus is Lord and Savior of your life. You know if you die today, you'd be in heaven with him. And she could not tell him yes. But she could after that day because she'd set the Lord Jesus right there. Now you tell her that he was aggressive. She said, No. He was exactly what I needed from God. Exactly. And about 15 or 16 people were saved when Bull was there each night. So there's about 50 people saved. And those 50 people now, you'd ask, we think he was a little bit too bold? I doubt it. I doubt if anyone would have, any of those would have told you. So I would say. But he knew exactly what he needed to be in the church, in the time, because he was looking for God's perfect timing. And God sent him to churches that need that. And see, so we can't be too bold in our witness. But God says that he'll show us a way. He'll give him a door. Apostle Paul preaches in several opportunities. He says, God had opened the door to me to go preach to these people. So he opened the door. He always opened the door for us. I tell you what, if he shuts the door, he even opens a window sometimes. But he, he sets an avenue. We can minister to people wherever we're at. And that's what we do as Christians in the church family is look for those opportunities we can minister to. We've done a fantastic job this last week of being open to God and having our doors open, and they give us a door to minister to folks that someone would never have accepted the Lord Jesus in church because they would not be in church. They normally don't go to church, and their parents don't go to church. But they are here, and I ain't going to say it's, it's no coincidence. It was the power of God compelled them to come, to be here. And they're here, and they're ministered to, and they're forever now eternal, saved by the blood of Jesus. And that's a, that's a beautiful thing, folks. There's nothing more important than that and come to the one who holds it all together in the power of him to be saved, signed, sent, delivered by the blood of the Lamb. Amen? Let's pray. Father, I give you today, Father, we just rejoice in you. Father, I'm still excited about the things you're doing in our church family. Father, I'm excited about the work you're doing in our hearts and lives each day, Father. So today is just a, a sign of celebration back to you, Father, for it all belongs to you. 
even us, Father. You have bought us with a price, Father. And we are your sheep. And we're the lambs and the sheep of your pasture. You're our shepherd. And Father, we know that you love us more than any love we can ever imagine. So Father, these who accept the Lord Jesus this week, I pray that you empower them. And your Holy Spirit may manifest himself in them in such a way they may know their gift and use their gift to witness to other people. That we may grow, Father, as we praise you this week as we study your word. As we study about prayer, Father, how powerful the prayer is how powerful your Son and your Holy Spirit is in our lives. We may walk with him daily. So, Father, we'll give you this day back to you in praise. If there's someone here who not know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, maybe it's David, the acceptable time for them. They come to Jesus and come to him tenderly as he calls, Father. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.